And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. No one in the clearing hears the biters coming through the high trees. The metallic ringing noises of tent stakes going into the cold, stubborn Georgia clay drown the distant footsteps the intruders still a good 500 yards off in the shadows of neighboring pines. No one hears the twigs snapping under the north wind or the telltale guttural moaning noises as faint as loons behind the treetops. No one detects the trace odor of putrid meat and black mold marinating in feces, the tang of autumn wood smoke and rotting fruit on the mid-afternoon breeze masks the smell of the walking dead. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday, number 11. I'm Chris Honeywell and it's an unusual episode today because there's no Sean Engel, there's no Scott Gardner, and there's no Michael Bailey. But instead, like all of those guys wrapped into one, we have Mr. William Robinson. Thank you. Wrapped in the one. I'm not that fat. Well, I wasn't talking about mass. <laughs> I was oh, just okay. talking about personality. Oh, it was, oh, it was well, a compliment, I guess. A backhanded one, but I'll I'll take that. That's the only kind I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not implying that they were fat. And uh, I'm I, I have fat enough for myself. Now it's. Uh, Usually we'd be doing episode or issue forty eight of the Walking Dead comic, but the, everybody's schedule is screwed up. And at the same time, um, I, Bill Robinson was kind enough to send me a copy of the Walking Dead: The Road to Woodbury, the the second of I guess a planned trilogy of Walking Dead books by Robert Kirkman and Jay Bonensinga. Is that how you say that? I don't know Bonens. Bonanza. 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 I'm a bona singer. It's got that N in the middle. Bona singer sounds sort of. It sounds sort of like, you know, like Kiss the Cook or something for a band. <laughs> but it has that N, so it's like Bonan singer. And uh, so um, he was kind enough to send this book to me. So I, we have both read it, and we are about to present. A review, which we'll try to keep away from the spoilers in the first half, but um, we're, we're going to get more spoilery as it goes along because there's – I just – I can't help but I like spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> I like ruining things. We won't ruin a – we won't ruin a, some things, but yeah, there's there's definitely uh, – the, the last half of it maybe would be more for people who've read the book than as to people who are thinking about reading the book. So – I guess my first, the, just to start off, um, just a, a simple thumbs up, thumbs down. Would you say would this be worth reading? Uh, thumbs up, yes. I would give it a thumbs I, up too. Mm-hmm. It was it was a really good, really uh, very quick quick book. Mm-hmm. And usually for for me, when I read a book and I can burn right through it, it's really held my interest. You know, it's it's it's. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, it was. It's 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 definitely a page turner. It's definitely a you know, each chapter pulls you into the next chapter. Um, mm-hmm. Very very much very similar to the first book, um, and it's basically this. It's 
like the first book, it just sort of starts out, you know, just after, just as things are starting to go to hell, just shortly afterwards with um, a character. It's basically the story of a character named Lily and how she starts out basically in a just a encampment full of cars, a sort of tent city, and then eventually makes her way into into the into Woodbury as ruled by the government or by the governor government by the governor <laughs> and the government or the sort of early days of the gov- governor in uh, in Woodbury so you get a sort of book that's sort of split between life on the road and then and then seeing what Woodbury's like and uh, yeah because this one takes place um, really um, I would say if we look back at the first book, this one, her time on the road before she gets to Woodbury is about the same time as just like a week or two before I think the governor gets to Woodbury. Right. As, you know, well, I mean, I don't really want to spoil the first book if nobody's read the first book. Uh, I guess we could stay away from that. But but there's things that happen at the end of the first book that I think that that's about the time frame or a week or two before that takes place is when this book starts. Right. So so when they get there, the governor is already in place, but newly in place, and a lot of the things that he is going to do have not happened yet that we see later on in the comic. Like the uh, the arena hasn't happened. Um, I know you guys have covered, you know, you've, you've already covered that in the comic mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. on the show. Um, and there's there's a there's quite a few characters. I think there's more characters in this one that appeared in the comic. Of course, and we're getting closer to the time period where things happened in the comic between the governor and and Rick and those guys. But yeah, we got M- Martinez is is in the comic. Lily turns up in the comic, but that's in the future, so we, we won't talk about that. But um, shh. Yeah, <laughs> o- old Bob is in is in there. We got the doctor. Who's who is in the comic? Uh, Alice is in this. Who ends up yeah. ends up with our crew? Um, Martina. Did I say Martinez already? Yes. Uh, Bob. Bob is in in it, and uh, Bob is actually this is Bob's origin. Um, yeah. Because Bob was Bob comes with Lily to Woodbury, um, along with a few other of her 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 friends. And in the comic, Bob is just sort of this old, you know, the town drunk who has some field experience with with medicines who ends up he's he's the guy who ends up patching up the governor after michonne does a little bit of nut nailing and eye plucking well it's not really eye plucking it's more like eye scooping but yeah yeah after after she he sort of puts him back together and this is sort of his story and it and it definitely makes the fact that that they would pick him and that he actually pulls off fixing up the governor in this it it, because that always was something weird it was like okay you know to keep the governor alive after all that i to me it would seem like it would take a gifted surgeon and stuff and not somebody used to stapling people back together in afghanistan but once you read once you read the book you, you see that probably well not only would bob probably be up to it is he's not as pathetic he is a pathetic character in this book but he's not as pathetic as he is when we meet him in the comics but you see the relationship there's a relationship form between him and the and the governor in this so you can see that that 
would probably also be motivation for him to to mm-hmm. help him out, you know. Yeah, and and we we get more of Bob's story here as to why he's the town drunk, what's happened, um, the things he saw when he was an army medic, and also um, the things after you know when when the apocalypse came. Uh, there was you know things that happened to his wife that uh, he feels guilty for and is you know drowning drowning his sorrows with now. I mean, he was an alcoholic before, but now even now he has more reasons why to want to drown his sorrows. And and, and the description in here of, of his alcoholism is very similar to some people I've known who are heavy, heavy drinkers, you know. They, they, they get right the, like, habits of somebody who's... Yeah, wasn't at one point, and I might just be making this up, wasn't he actually drinking, you know, other things other than regular alcohol? Almost, at, yeah, he was doing the, like, anything he could get a hold... Well, it was... You know, you, you definitely get the impression that he's getting the DTs immediately mm-hmm. if he isn't constantly, you know, during yeah, it, it was. He's... It seems like basically he drinks all the time, but it's just a little trickle during the day. But then when it comes close to bedtime, that's when oh, yeah, the heavy drinking. Yeah, that's when the heavy drinking happens till he passes out, and then it you know it starts over the next day. And if there's any break in it, it's you know. It immediately is bringing on, you know, withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's sort he's sort of a all the characters. Uh, uh, a lot of the characters are, uh, you know, in Walking Dead style are are seriously flawed or troubled. Lily, the main character, you sort of see her going from being a very, I guess you would say weak, not a weak character as in she's weakly characterized, but like weak as in she's like tentative and scared and not a not a fighter she's she's surrounded by people who can protect her so when it comes to stress she just freezes up exactly yeah she's 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 an intelligent character she knows what needs to be done but she can't act upon it when the moment comes and it makes her she feels she's a liability to to the other people around her and, and, and yeah, and she's sort of stuck with her best friend, who's kind of a just sort of a slutty stoner chick. Yeah, that's uh, Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they what they had both went to high school, if I remember correctly, and then Megan kind of just you know fell fell by the roadside, was doing her own thing, and and uh, uh, Lily goes off. If I remember correctly, she was in college, uh, but even then, she was kind of couldn't make up a. Uh, a set idea of what she wanted to do and you know then everything else happened and there's a sort of just like um, Megan's got her boyfriend Scott who is sort of just like your total (laughs) caricature of it's a cross between a stoner surfer dude I mean they, they physically describe him as looking like Kurt Cobain so he's got that haircut and he's just the total like whoa dude yeah that was uh, Scott Scott Moon. Scott Moon, and uh, it, yeah, there's the, a lot of the characters are char- at the very beginning. Um, the character of Josh, who is a, a cook, he's he's he seems to be like the the big black guy, <laughs> the big strong black guy who's got his shit together. You know, he's got a a steady head on his shoulders, and is is fearless and also you know and the the sort of moral center 
is becoming sort of a, a trope for zombie, for especially American zombie stories in, yeah. in, in both in the, in the walking dead and in movies like, um, well, just about any George Romero zombie movie has a strong, strong black character right up until city or land of the dead, where the zombies, a strong black character, <laughs> you know, but it, well, yeah, jo- Josh, um, let me see. Josh was a college football player, and I think he had a career, but then he had an injury, and then he became a, uh, a master chef. Um, but when I was reading the book, the way I pictured him was oh, – what was the actor from The Green Mile who died recently? Yes. Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. That is the – that is what I pictured in my head reading the book of Josh Hamilton. And especially there's one scene and, and throughout the book, Josh, you see, the funny thing is I know a big black hefty guy named Josh, who's a master cook. (laughs) So, (laughs) so my visual was automatic and who's a really like pleasant guy, you know, almost matched the description of just like this guy's personality. So that's what my brain just threw in there. My brain's like, okay, blunk. That makes it easy. You know? Yeah. But, but there's a scene, uh, uh, it's uh, because the book starts out where they're actually living not in Woodbury, but they've gathered together with a group of survivors and basically what turns out to be a bad place to be. Death trap, yeah. Geographically, because they're basically in a bottleneck with nowhere to go uh, when 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 the walkers finally come to them, and um and uh during one of these attacks uh. Lily was supposed to be watching uh, one guy's uh, little girls, and and she, to to her credit, she actually does. In this time, you know, here she doesn't freeze up as she had on previous occasions because right. this after a few other attacks, and she actually does act and is able. She's trying to watch, I think, three little girls, at at, at least two or three kids. I think it's there's four of them, and she get and she saves. She saves most of them, she, right? You know. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm checking some stuff out here. Yeah, there, yeah, there, there was quite a few little kids, uh, and but one of them does get taken out uh, by a walker, and um, when when the father comes back, he's kind of uh, he, you know, at first he acts angry, and then you know, then he seems to be he understands things happen. Well, the next time he gets Lily alone, he proceeds to beat the living daylights out of her and josh sees this and goes over and he and josh ends up killing whoops spoiler <laughs> josh ends up killing this guy just protecting lily and but i think the way he did it he just was he was holding him with one hand and was pounding him against a tree until his skull caved in does i mean i'm pretty sure it's been a cup it's been about what about a month or two since I read the book, but I mean that was pretty vivid. You know, he's like yeah. enough, enough, stop, and then he before he realizes it, he's killed the guy, and then they get ostracized and have to leave leave the community, which turns out to be a good thing because most of them get. It's about good timing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and from that point on, their path leads them to the to the Woodbury. And then you get a sort of version of Woodbury. It's it's funny. It meshes pretty well with the comics. And it meshes very, very well with the comics and pretty well with the TV show. 
So it's it's funny. It, it reminded me a lot of the early part of this last season, the first part of the you know the season three of The Walking Dead when you had Michonne and Andrea mm-hmm. getting a getting a first look at a little later down the line Woodbury. But you can sort of see that in this, in the way this is described. But this is a more frontiers. Yeah, this is this is on the barter system. You oh, they don't have it completely blocked off yet. They're still working on blocking it off, and uh, there's gaps in the wall. Mm -hmm. um, Which, um, well, after they're ostracized, uh, some of their friends do make it out. Bob, Scott, and Megan make it out, and they're in a pickup together. And they're going around finding places to hide, and that's when they come across the people from 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 Woodbury, and end up going back back to the town with them. But yeah, like, like you're saying, the town isn't uh, the town isn't fully secure. No, well, it's it's being it's it's run by the governor, but it's also being right. run oh, by yes. smaller groups of thugs, which is sort of what the governor was sort of when uh, the the way he became the governor is he sort of saved them from those. Um, I I think they were national guard. Guards, like right. corrupt national guardsmen who were basically thugs, and uh, yeah, he I... he sort of took out their leader, and but but it, it seemed to be the whole barter system thing was replaced by you know old school thugs. Th- it was like a western town, you know. It was basically you know um, might makes right was was how bottom line they yeah. they they didn't like Josh. So and you know when the the work it was it very much reminded me of um, um, maybe during the gold rush or any kind of early American rush where you would have like all these people would go out west to work and they oh, would yeah, end up in the all... in the town and so you would have the um, what the company store exactly and so you would be working all day <laughs> and then you would be accruing debt also at the company store for the stuff that you were buying which was extremely yes, overpriced and if they didn't like you they could basically keep you as an indentured servant or as a slave they could just like be like working and working you to pay off more and more debt that you can't pay off and and all that or enough to keep you there all the time and that that was basically the feel of what I was getting from this and the the governor was sort of letting that that go but um if yeah yeah when you're reading that part you can you can hum in the background the uh was it tennessee er- er- ernie ford 16 tons and what do you get <laughs> another day older and deeper and another another favorite of scott's <laughs> and mine when we Some were kids <laughs> people say a man is made out of mud a poor man's made out of muscle and blood muscle and blood and skin and bones a mind that's a weak and a back that's strong You load 16 tons What do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth St. Peter, don't you call me Cause I can't go I Sell my soul, soul to the company, company store Well, because, uh, for, because we were big fans of Monty Python And whenever, uh-huh. whenever they would have the animations Or sometimes they had it in live action People would get crushed by a 16-ton weight <laughs> And we just thought that was yeah. funny That it was randomly 16 tons And then we heard that song And that was just the most hilarious thing ever Because we were picturing, you know, a giant barbell You know, that sort of, you know yeah, big giant weight Yeah, giant weight Just going, bah, exercise weight Dropping down on somebody 
They had that. It was so great. They had the like. It was obviously hollowed out underneath. You know. You know. But and you would see like the guys from Monty Python actually squatting down. Yeah, squatting as it falls. It falls. I remember that. Them. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't matter. That just made it even funnier. But I think my first memory of Tennessee Ernie Ford was. Uh, I think he used to to hawk uh, like breakfast sausages or something mm. on commercial mm. when I was a kid. Oh, right. I'm Tennessee Ernie Ford. I think it was Jimmy Dean's sausages. Probably. Before, maybe Jimmy Dean got tired of doing it. <laughs> well, he was he dead did. by then. Yeah, Jimmy Dean was sausage by then. <laughs> anyway, shifting gears. Yes. Back to the book. What do you think? Uh, now, the writing style of this book, it's the same author, and it's written in the same, same sort of style as the first book. That's where my issues come in with this. I, I think, like, it's written in this sort of um, pre- present tense, almost like it's a um, a movie or a TV um, um, treatment for a for a teleplay or something, you know. Yeah, the gov- you know the governor aims the muzzle at blah 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 and says this instead of you know it, it it makes it all sort of this present, it gives it an immediate feel which I understand it gives it a sort of immediate presence that's all happening now but sometimes it gets a little goofy and I think that my my big problem with it uh, in the style rather than any of the story elements is. Sometimes it tries. It's 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 almost like um, the author is thinking to himself, or and maybe they had this conversation and said, "This is a um, a zombie story," and zombie comics and zombie movies. A, a big part of them is, let's face it, gut munching, gore. You know, bullets hit. You know, bodies getting mutilated in some way. It's a, a major part of of the, the 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 sort of thing i don't think that's as much and i don't think that translates as well into a book now i now stephen king would write some gore that would curdle your you know curdle your blood but yeah. it would be sort of it would it would be a character you've gotten to know, and there's stuff like that that happens in here, but there's a lot of gore, and it's almost like, um, in in a lot of ways, this happens in the movies and in the comics where it's like, all right, we've had enough story. Here's a couple pages of you know zombie foo or people shooting at each other and and killing each other, and it's it's almost, um, you know, um. Sec- um, separated out as a, as a separate part of it, and and then bad zombie movies. That's a part where you know that's where they put all their time and effort. In good zombie movies, that's sort of it's almost like a musical piece where that's a certain part of the piece, and then it goes back into the story or whatever. But um, I just pictured a zombie musical. Oh, just watch. Um, yeah. There's a sequence in Land of the Dead that's masterful, where you know all of a sudden the zombies are are killing a bunch of people, and it ends with a zombie just cracking limbs, like cracking these leg bones, and this horrible like, <laughs> and it's it's like a piece of music. It was be- beautiful and, and gross, but uh, in in this it ends up being 
sort of like, okay, he's describing the gore, and I have to say, he sort of run like, I can't tell you how many the the times he used the word stippled in this. Blood stippled the walls, and you don't see, stippled is one of those words, you want to see it once in a book, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's an unusual word. It has a very it does it's definitely good to use when you want to describe blood hitting a wall or hitting something. And there's a lot of blood hitting a wall, but just once, you know, twice, bleh, three times, it starts getting like you know maybe you should get a thesaurus. Uh, he used the word abattoir a lot in this too, and and uh, that's another word maybe you see you you know once just to. Mm-hmm. to you could use slaughterhouse or, or, you know, butchery or something, you know, something more down to earth and, and abattoir. Abattoir also does have a sort of gross sound to it, gross Frenchy sort of aspect yeah. to it. But once, and I think it's in here like three or four times. I remember I was, there was one time where I did like got onto a little. Every once in a while, my brain will go obsessive compulsive where I'm like, all right, I know he said abattoir a bunch of times. So I went through and was like, yeah, here it is here. Here it is here. Yeah, yeah. He did use it before. Good. I'm not crazy. Uh-huh. Scanning through pages I'd already read before. I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I think maybe they could they could back off on the gore in the books and it might actually make them more horrifying because when you do get to the gore – You'll be less um, because there's and and I'll I'll just say now we're sort of in spoiler view view here so there'll probably be more stuff but you know like there's a major character that gets killed suddenly violently and you know without warning in this where you know they describe part of his head coming off the back and I, that would have been a lot more shocking if there hadn't been so much more blood piled up before it you know what i mean well i mean yes i i I see your point in that the flow of the book does seem to be you know dramatic moment zombies gore death Mm -hmm. plot point plot point plot point plot point backstory backstory zombie 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 Mm -hmm. plot point plot point it's it's like you're rushing it's going up and down like a mountain, you know, you're going up the mountain, down the mountain, up, okay, yes. uh, and, we're, and we're coming back down, and now we're back to more zombies, and and actually, you can kind of, I don't really think there was random zombie because they built up to it. There was no, there wasn't a lot of, you know, no. they walked around a corner and there was a, like, in the in the TV show, you know, oh my God, there was an ankle biter there, and it took, you know, it was there was always a massive zombie presence, and probably one of the one of the other scenes in the book that 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 I I thought was good and built the suspense up, but you're right, it is kind of written, kind of like it's for TV, almost like it's a script. Right, right. And that was when after they get to Woodbury, remember when they sneak out and they go to a gated community. Uh, yes. That's not too far away, which I think might be I don't know if that is the same gated community that the sort of Rick and the people go to I don't think so this one seemed to be a gated community of really rich people that was like medium rich that was like your average like down south Florida gated Mm -hmm. community maybe maybe you know not like a vacate like a real home one but this one was like you know 
super you know people who owned corporations or were like you know high you know high up corporate folks who had they sounded like multi-million dollar houses you know very, you know architecturally designed houses sort of thing right and 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 this is a prime instance to where there's the massive buildup just like uh just just like the opening of the book which was at the beginning of the podcast where the very first scene is the building you know that there's a big something bad is going to happen to these survivors in where, right. where they're at and when Josh and Lily after they've been in Woodbury for a while they skip out through the hole in the fence and they find this community and, and they decide look we're not going to stay in Woodbury Josh is having to work twice as hard to get to supply food for them because basically the guy supplying the food wants to have sex with Lily and he's going to work Josh to death he doesn't like he Josh he's even a little racist it seems that you know there's a little yeah. hint of that yeah so that's what's going on there and they're trying to find a way out and they're in this massive home and they're sitting on the couch and everything seems great and meanwhile you know shark is coming shark is coming shark is coming. well you see here's 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 this is this is where i have some issues with how it's written because it's written cinematically it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's almost as a, the author's voice comes in and says you know basically I, i'm paraphrasing here but it was like you know they're inside and they're hanging out and they're in this in this big glass it's a big glass house and you can visualize the way they describe mm -hmm. it you could see two people and that instead of just they turn and see a wall of zombies at this glass window it's as they were walking through the house there sounds in the house down in a down like down a hill just below the house the dead were stirring and right. they start to climb and there's this mul there's multiple page build up that's of the of the zombies coming up up the hill coming through the fence they stumble in the pool you know they're going meanwhile, around the pool they're furniture. Unaware of it. yeah and they're sitting in there in the house and the whole time they've they paint this picture that you know if this was on TV or on a movie you would see them standing there and they've they've they they have their back to the window the whole time and never see these you know tens you know maybe like a hundred zombies coming up building up to this window and you know until they're like all the people in the star trek episode where all the people are pressed against the glass with the different yeah, faces so by, looking by the in time on they you know <laughs> yeah, by the time they realize that is when the glass cracks because they're like and, and then the cracking of the glass and they and by the time oh they my realize God. they're already completely surrounded because it's nighttime you see that right. now this is the this is where i have an it this is one of the scenes where I had an issue with how it was written, although it's only a minor issue because, well, you know, maybe I'm wanting this to be like literature up a, a level into Stephen Kingland or something instead of something that's just sort of a tie-in, not to be taken serious as as sort of a like you know summer reading book or something like that or just a, it is it's a page turner it's a fast disposable page turner but right it's cinematic in the way that they describe it because. It's describing things. They often do this. They'll describe something that the characters can't see. They do it in the tent city earlier, where he's like, you know, they don't know that right beyond those that those trees are a whole roaming squad of zombies, and they can't hear them because the wind's blowing the wrong way, and stuff yeah. like that. That's yeah, that's very cinematic. You would do that with a crane shot in a movie. You would you would crane behind the trees and you'd see all the zombies there, and then you'd see all the people not knowing and being sitting ducks. Or you'd 
you would you would show like one zombie crawling up the hill and then you would you would pan down to the bottom because these houses were at the top of a hill with like a gulch all around it and the gulch was just filled with zombies who had stumbled down there and had nothing to chase so they were just sort of just like wandering around waiting for any kind of noise and sign of life to pool at but if Stephen King were writing it you would never you would see it from the character's point of view and you wouldn't know it was he would he would tell all that stuff happening a different way you know it would be you would have you know it would right the they would as they're running or they want it because they went higher up in the house they could say something when they went to the second floor they looked out and saw you know the gulch below and where all the zombies had come from it would be explained then it wouldn't be telegraphed it's a little bit of a cheat i think for the author to say oh and behind the next corner that you know they didn't know and it does build tension because you're just like because and to his his credit he won't go right into that he'll let it build so he'll he'll build up that tension and then you'll have the characters acting normally but you know that there's teeming masses of of zombies or there's some trouble coming you almost feel like you're reading the book. Almost feel like you're reading the book, and you've got somebody over your shoulder going, "Oh no! Come on, man! Don't you see them coming? Get out of there! What's wrong with you?" And, move, move. and it works. And and the thing is, I, I guess the storyline is Kirkman comes up with the storyline and the characters, and this and this guy writes it. And I mean, Kirkman's fingerprint is all over it. You get a lot of the Kirkmanisms of you know. Um, the the guy who Lily runs you know runs afoul with with his kids is sort of a sort of a third rate version of the governor. You yeah. know he's sort of he's sort of a governor in the making with their little group. He's he's got serious uh, power issues and stuff, but he's not as bright. He's not as wily and crafty as a governor. He's more of just a loudmouth. You know who's getting the most attention because he's the loudest and the most aggressive. But um, you know, a lot of standard standard Kirkman Walking Dead situations, which isn't a slam on it because that's sort of what you're wanting. And what I liked, I don't know if I liked this book slightly more than Rise of the Governor because I read it as a book rather than listen to it as an audio book. And I always enjoy you know getting to use my imagination more in a book and I just like the I like reading a book better it's it's more comfortable to me to consume this stuff so I like this better because it didn't have the it has I I guess you would call what happens at the end maybe a twist but it wasn't like in Rise of the Governor where it's like here's where everything changes and you know yeah it's it's a twist it's 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 like because that that doesn't happen until ding dong style right at the very end and it's just like a sort of like ah here you know yeah yeah you're you're like what yeah yeah it was almost (laughs) it was almost it almost broke the tone of the book because all of a sudden everything everything was different and stuff but it had its own sort of really creepy feel to it and stuff but to their credit the the ending to this one is a little more subtle and here's where we're definitely deep in spoiler land so if you're gonna read it get get out unless you don't care but um get out now they're he's in the house they're calling from inside the house no, ba- they're in your podcast oh sorry basically lily's sort of like a weaker version of michonne where she sort of could tell the governor's a piece of shit 
the yeah. beginning, and she doesn't like him, and she starts conspiring with the doctor and Martinez. The doctor, the nurse, and, and, and Martinez. And Martinez yeah. to get rid of this guy because he's starting up the gladiatorial games. The place is, yeah, the place is, is basically dangerous unless you are in in the the group of alpha psychos who run all the barter and run the butcher shop. The butcher is sort of the like ad hoc, you know, he's sort of like the ad hoc leader to, you know, there's, you got the governor who's the leader, but the butcher is the one who controls commerce. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's, well, do we want to go where, what happens with that? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, because yeah, because I'm very interested to hear what you think about, because the whole, the whole ending of this is she, she gets a, they, they get a plan to off the governor and the governor is just starting to really become the rock star governor. You know, he's figured out the gladiatorial games to keep people's blood loss, you know, keep people happy and occupied. And he's, you know, he's, he's sort of the MC of the whole thing and he's enjoying it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they grab him. And they plan to take him and just fucking toss him. They grab him and a couple of his generals, and they yeah. Uh, I believe uh, Bruce um, is the the other. Why they don't just off the generals in the first? Yes, yeah. I don't know. But they grab him, throw him in the back of a van, and and they're gonna just take him and and toss him to a bunch of you know toss him to the toss him to the wolves basically to some zombies and get rid of him. Well, I think they were actually going to um, actually just outright kill them, but they stumble across because of what the governor had done with the games, with the noise of the lights. It had attracted, uh, which we're that's telegraphed way early on yeah. about this super herd. It's, it's just building and that, that's yeah. been building. And, and one thing that the book brings up that isn't in um, that doesn't really t- talked about. Um, I think it was the there's like a massive storm that uh, allows bodies to be unearthed. So you've got even more bodies mm-hmm. that had causes died. landslides. At, at, at yeah, and it unearths all these coffins and all the bodies come out of the coffins. Which the comic doesn't ever do anything, show anything like that. From what I remember, it was only after the infection happened, and you know you would die then. This is does like you know. Night of the Living Dead. The Classic people have actually come out, out. Yeah, yeah. So there's and you know like a nearby cemetery is overturned and all the recently dead bodies come out and then you get the super herd and it's attracted by the noise and they go out to kill the governor and uh, hey surprise uh, they they they're they're surrounded by um, by this super herd and somehow I mean you know I. I thought it was kind of unbelievable that they could still get away from that super herd the way they described it. I mean, what did you think of that? Well, no, I think, well, it's believable within the context of what the story I think had to tell. Well, yeah, yeah. It was, and then, then they end because up, what they, what, what, what it ends up being is they get in a situation, they're going to kill the governor. They need him to basically, they need him to help fight yeah, why, and he needs why, them to get out. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, well, <clears throat> I get the reason that they had to turn to him to help. I mean, it wasn't like he had any master strategy or anything. It's just that they needed everybody there to fight. You know, they all had to pull together or they were all going to die. Period. He's a badass, and he's yeah. he's the governor for a reason. He 
he, which he is pulls considered- he pulls them together in that situation and gets them out of it. He pulls a Rick. He's he's a Rick in a lot of ways, you know. Yep. If you had read the first book, if you know what happens in the first book and who he is, it just it's just weird that he now has all this knowledge that he didn't really possess before. You know what I mean? In in so far as what like knowledge of. If you look at his, he became this great leader, but he was not that in the first book. Oh, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, that's what, that's sort of where I'm getting to with all this is I think this was the governor's first big lesson. I think because what seemed very implausible to me is once they fight their way out of this, um, he takes Martinez back in and Lily. He's just like, okay, you know, take you back. Yeah, that, you know, he doesn't cut their I, heads off or make examples out of them. And I was just like, that's kind of weird, and and that doesn't make sense. And they don't really spell out why that is, but I think I pretty much figured out why that is. I'm thinking that they just kind of wrote themselves into a corner, mm. and you know, because they're in the comic. You can't kill them, but they probably had a lot of the story together. And well, we'll just say that the governor just let it slide. No, I, I think the governor. I think the governor respect. I think the governor, when he thought oh, about okay. it, I think the governor thought, you know what, those guys were right. I think that's what his. I think this was his big lesson because I think this, and and because at the end of the book, what what eventually made it click for me is he he. Uh, when he, he does, away, he does with away with the barter, barter system. system and says, there's no yeah. more barter system. We're just going to split up the supplies. There's no more, you know, he takes the leverage away from small, strong groups. And I think he realized that yeah, because Lily blamed him for Josh's death. Yeah. And, and she's right. And she's right. And he realizes that he realizes these two guys saw that he he realizes he'd gotten it was it's actually a story of the first one was sort of a story of the governor snapping and going out of control this is him realizing i can't he's he's starting to you know he's on his slide into psychoness but in this he realizes enough that he can only indulge that it looked like he was going to just keep going as as caligula you know until there's you know, you know, he's just doing Yeah, but even then he can only go so far before the people in town well, that's rebel, the, which is why he's distracted with the games. That's, and that's what happened here though. But the, he realized yeah. he'd gone too far and these two had seen that he'd gone far and and also he'd gone and it's also his fault he attracted that huge herd towards the um um towards Woodbury. Right. And his job as governor is to do the exact opposite of that. And he realized Which, I was letting myself go too much. I was ego tripping. And these guys recognized it. And they were right to take me out and kill me because I was endangering the town. And from that point on, he was like, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to correct it. I'm going to let these two live. And they'll, they'll probably respect me even more because I let them live and learned a lesson. And that's probably pretty much what happened. Not with Lily. Lily probably is just like, was, is biding her time and happy to be alive more or less. Well, and Martinez probably was like, you know what? This guy could have killed me. He could have, he could have just, he could, you know, once we got back here, I could have been in the gladiatorial games getting munched on by, 
you know, beaten by my ex-friends and munched on by corpses. But, you know, he the, the governor looked at it completely without objectively. He did it objectively. He, he looked at the situation and said, these guys are right. They should live. They made the right decision. I want them around for future. You know, they'll make the right decision in the future and I'll change my course enough and they'll see that that <laughs> they tried to kill him and he basically they tried to kill him and it's a it's a tough guy thing they tried to kill him and he said you know what point taken duly noted thank you <laughs> yeah and then he says now go up and chop up all right. those dead bodies right you don't get away with a hundred percent you're not gonna you're not gonna get a prize for it as a matter of fact you're gonna have to go chop up some bodies but by that point you you realize you know by that point chopping up bodies isn't like a horrible experience for him. It's just unpleasant. It's like peeling potatoes. You know, it's like duty <laughs> or something like that. You know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting a picture of Bill Robinson in his Navy days, sitting in the in the in the kitchen with a pile of potatoes around him. You know. Well, yeah. Actually, it's funny you you should say that because I did have to do some time in the galley. However. Technology has come a long way, and I didn't actually have to peel the potatoes by hand, but I did have to dump them into a big machine that had a big, rough rotary wheel, and you dump it in, and it would just basically – it was like a, a – yeah, yeah, it would just spin it and roll it, and it would just take all the skin right off, and then you know, you'd know shut it off and pull, pull the potatoes out. So no, I didn't have to do them by hand. But yeah, I have I, a yeah. version of that for chickens. <laughs> <laughs> And for dead bodies. Uh, well, that, takes the skin. Nah, this takes the feathers off chickens. It's like a drum with little nails in it, and you just roll the chickens around yeah. in it. And yeah, this anyway. this was like a really rough sandpaper wheel <laughs> that you just dropped it in there. And I had and a friend gone. who was in a a, a nuclear sub, and uh, he worked mm. in the galley and was telling me how how it wasn't like you know, it wasn't the big fat sweaty guy with a chef's hat sitting in there just like cookie you know like all right with a cigarette yeah. dangling out of his mouth they said it was pretty high tech and uh and actually I, delicious actually do you know that you can't light a cigarette on a uh on, on a submarine i would i would yeah i that doesn't surprise me you can't light a cigarette on a greyhound bus for christ's sake <laughs> well no i was told this by a friend of mine who was on nuke subs and he said the only way that they could ever light a cigarette is to find some type of heat source that was would be enough to get it to actually ignite because Why the percentage of – No, because the percentage of oxygen in the air is such that it prevents open flame so that you don't have a fire that would just poof, go off on, on the sub. So he's like oh, – so because physically couldn't smoke – Physically could – yes. Well, yeah. I'm sure it because, wasn't allowed either. I'm sure it would set off well, like no, – no. Yeah. But I have – he took me on a tour once and there's like this – meter on the wall and it, I think it said like 20% or something I'm like what's that he's like well that that tells you what the percentage of oxygen is in the air I'm like for what he's like oh well right now it says like 20% which I think is average like 20-22% percentage of oxygen because a lot of it's nitrogen blah 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 anyway I'm rambling but he's like yeah that drops down to like 17 or something and it's it's enough to you can live off of that, but you can't. There's it, it, it limits flame and stuff. And so, all right, I guess we've got too much on on that tangent. Oh, fascinating, <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. But yeah, so. tough guy. The governor, the governor's a tough guy, and and he decided the tough guy move was to let people live this time. And I think that was the twist to it that he didn't react, that you know, sadistically. And I thought it was, 
I thought it was a nice idea that, you know, and it showed the governor's intelligence and that he was actually capable, you know, he was crazy. But well, he, speaking... and there's also it also opens up the like, maybe that's what you need, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of his intelligence, if I remember correctly, after they get away from the herd and then it's coming towards the town, doesn't he take like a uh, old oh, like a tractor trailer with, with a ramp on it and he puts the um, puts a couple of the um, National Guard guys that are still alive yeah. in his bait and he and he baby. Basically, they all shamble into the empty trailer, and then he locks it closed, and that's where he gets all of his uh, a good portion of his stock gladiators, for the gladiator games. <laughs> the you know the ones that Lily and the other guy are actually chopping up later down under uh, underneath the grandstands. Ugh. <laughs> it's it's all very creepy and and gloomy, and it's got the atmosphere. Ultimately, it isn't really scary as much as it is just, like, brutal and tense. <laughs> and So, yeah. How, how do you think this matches up to where, how it matches with the comics? Because I have something about that, but uh, I don't know if you, do you have any thoughts on, on how, like... We it both matches know up with them. These, who who Lily is and what happens, but we don't want to spoil anything right. for things that are coming up. Right. I I I think in that respect, in in the the characters that are in the comics and the book and in and the the storyline, I think it 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 locks right in with the with the comics more so than you know than the TV show. Of course, it's it's definitely based mm -hmm. on the the comics continuity. Um, but it's through a darker filter if that, if that's, you know, I mean, if you would even want that, but I think it is, I think it's definitely a more gloomy, um, filter because for the most part, the characters are a little more unpleasant than, than the characters, you know, the, the, uh, you know, our beloved Rick and, and crew, you know, there, but there, see, aren't, now, as, there are, there aren't as many like. Everybody, in order, like, everybody is seriously flawed, pretty much, in these books. Everybody is serious. And, and all of Rick's crew are seriously f flawed. But if you put them in the situations that Lily and stuff were in, they would have made much different decisions and rea reacted better. You know, they probably wouldn't have, they wouldn't have uh, ended up staying in Woodbury very long. They would have been like, no, nah, fuck this, th this shit, you know. Mm -hmm. But Lily was... Lily was too weak to show any moral, you know, to stand up to the the butcher and and the and all the tough guys at first. So she had to just basically go along with it and and you know and and all the rest of. I mean, Josh was Josh was the most um, together sort of pleasant person character, but he was messed up in a lot of ways too. He was he had like rage rage issues obviously when he um. Mm -hmm. mushed up the guy's head and it, and uh i think they said when he was younger he'd been picked on and stuff but that's not not as flawed as like megan, yeah, and, megan was, and scott and lily he was, were he was pretty stupid to turn his back on the butcher right right and 
see where that got him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bob too. Bob's you know so and and it was the same in uh, in Rise of the Governors. Everybody was kind of everybody was kind of flawed because you were looking at the bad guys. You were looking at the people that if Rick had, you know if they ran into Rick and crew. It would have been a fight, you know, and we would have been rooting for Rick and those guys. So they're they're a little they're a little less they have a little less moral fiber, I think. They're or their moral fiber bends a little easier, or, or with with um, under duress more than what we're used to for characters in The Walking Dead. So it ends up being a lot bleaker, and you know, for the most part, you know that. M- pretty much everybody's coming. I mean, it's walking dead. So that's how it is with everybody. But since this is taking place back in the storyline, you know, a lot of these people aren't going to are coming to a, a bad end. So, right. But see, now I kind of see it a little bit differently in that. If you take the first book into context with backstory of the governor, I think it actually, whereas, if you've only read the comic, you have this picture of the governor. And from the start, he's a psycho. When you look at this, it kind of makes him not as the black-hatted bad guy. This puts a shade of gray on him. Yeah, it, it brings and, it and, more and into it makes reality. You feel a little, yeah, it gives you a little compassion that, you know, yes, this guy is a mean SOB, but... This is what happened to him to make him become this. Right. He, it doesn't for it doesn't forgive it, but it gave me a little empathy and was like, well, you know, maybe he's not he's not the black and white bad guy that we're that he's portrayed as. And the other thing that 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 um, the thing with Martinez and actually um, in the Walking Dead comic at the point where Martinez had gone back with them to the prison and then he slips away and Rick goes after him. Well now, and, and Rick runs him down, I think with the RV, Mm -hmm. if I, if I remember correctly and he tells him, and if I remember Mar, Mar, uh, Martinez says, I was going back and I was going to bring people here because we could live here with you. So the first time I read that in the comic, I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. Sure you were, because he's a bad guy, and he's lying. Well, after reading this and seeing that Martinez actually was instrumental in trying to overthrow the governor in a coup, that maybe what he actually said was true, and he was going to bring back people to help Rick, and then Rick has actually killed Martinez in cold-blooded murder. Well, maybe, maybe. You know, and that kind of shades Rick a little more from being the good guy to the gray guy yeah. and making everybody kind of come on a level playing field. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I'll, the apocalypse. I'll put it this way. I would probably if go through this mental process when Martinez said that is like if he was going to go bring back more people, why, why didn't did he bring t- it up with us? Why didn't he say I'm he he disappeared. He he like Scott, like they were like, where's Martinez? Well, we haven't seen him all day. And then it was like, oh, shit. And he was. He was on the run back to Woodbury, so... But now, would you believe him? Now would I believe him? No. No, I mean, if if he did come to them and say, 
hey, I'm going to go back and get some people that I think will co- come with me. You think Rick would go, yeah, sure, buddy, go ahead. We'll we'll wait right here for you. Yeah, it depended on how it set it up, but they would find a way to set it up to be like, you know. I mean, if Martinez went back, he would. I would say, okay, you're not going back alone, though, <laughs> you know. Um, would Rick want to start sending people back? I don't think Rick would have let him leave, you know. Maybe, but but if he wouldn't let him leave, then he probably certainly wouldn't let him back in if he showed up with some people either. You know what I mean? He would be like, no, tough titty, and you never brought it up or whatever. I think at that point, the governor didn't know where the prison was, so there was no way he was going to let – I just don't see him letting him go back. So, I mean, I guess we really don't know. Well, here's the thing. What? Woodbury, has a, Woodbury has a library in it. All you need to do if you're the governor and you know there's people in a prison is go to the library and pull a map of the area and find out where the prison is. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not that... I mean, if there's a prison somewhere, you can... Even if, you know, you, you don't need Google Maps <laughs> to find out where <laughs> it is if it's within, you know, running distance, you know, miles. Right. So... I'm that 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 always I always question that the the whole uh you know and they they sort of um I think maybe they realize that and they sort of sidestep that in the TV show where they already know the prisons there and they and yeah, they and, and they, they, said, they oh, balked on it because it was full of bodies and they were like we that's too dangerous what was it? they to, called it the red zone yeah they... it was in the red zone and it was full of debt they they saw it and they said that's ah, not worth cleaning out but now they're eyeballing it because Rick and those guys have already cleaned it out. So all they have to do is clean out Rick and those guys. So that makes a lot more sense. And, and, it, and, it, and it cuts out, it, it, it compresses the storyline a little bit where they don't have to discover where the prison is and stuff like that. We'll see how that pretty soon. We'll see how that's, that's going to get handled. But um, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the regular comics continuity though, I was always very, because they were out and about, you know they were they were picking up stuff at Walmart and stuff and 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 at armories around there. You know there'd been run-ins with people from Woodbury before the you know the the initial clashes w- with the prison. So yeah, but what what whatever that's. But I I think all that stuff lines up really good with the book from the you know with the book and the comic. It's just it's just very strange. It does it ends on a very weird and then then when I figured out okay this was a book about the governor learning a lesson and it was also to humanize him and to make him to see it, it was sort of to give you that thought that uh, yeah this guy's a psychopath he's he's power <laughs> tripping but at the same time he's smart enough to to not to let himself he still wants to survive. He's still a real survivor, even, you know. He's he's pragmatic in his insanity. At least when he's at least when he's Philip, you know. At least when he's yeah. in his brothers, he's got a, such a strong picture oh, of his brother. Sh- spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, that's a spoiler from the last book though. We're I think you guys spoiled that, zone. didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. We spoiled that months and months and months a year, a year ago. Okay. So I you know, but you know, and you get a little bit of that in in here, but it, it's it's not a slam bam. 
ending really you know it's just yeah, sort of a in, subtle little thing because in here doesn't he kind of he like slips back into his original persona mm-hmm. and he has to he basically beats it back down mm-hmm. because he realizes he can't survive it doesn't last very goes, long yeah right if he goes back to being his old who he really is that he's like yeah shut up down 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 go 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 my 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 yeah there's a you reason know? who he really was is is being shoved into a mental corner yeah Baby's being put in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> nobody, nobody, puts, nobody puts Philip in the corner. <laughs> but, um, well, next. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. You, you, you were saying, yeah, we were talking earlier. You said there's a third book. Well, I know there's a third book planned, but you knew what you've heard a little bit about what, what might be in it. Yeah, I haven't done extensive research and here are two true freaks we don't do extensive research it's right off Get the, the interns on it um uh no this is just on basically the uh the walking dead wikia uh for the road to woodbury and it just has a note here that kirkman has revealed the third novel which will be out in october of 2013 so we'll see that in about uh, nine months uh, that it'll be, we shall be seeing Rick Michonne and some of the other characters that you haven't seen in the novel series. Oh, Rick Michonne and some of the other characters that you have not seen in the novel series thus far. Kirkman also stated that the ending of the third novel would roughly be the same story from the comic series, but told from the governor's point of view. So what you guys will probably be covering in the next, uh, the next episode, right. uh, which will be issue 48. Yes. Which it'll at least cover that, and I, I would think maybe we would, because we never see what the aftermath is in Woodbury, and I don't know if we will, because like Bob would still be there. I'm, I'm there would curious. Would still be others there. I'm curious. Well, there's a there's a lot of things, and and I, and I don't want to spoil from forty eight, but I would like to see the aftermath on the Woodbury side and on the prison side, from from. Mm. issue 48 I w- maybe that that would be awesome if that was in the book i'd like to see what well, sort of i mean from the prison side i mean well there's, I, I can't i, guess and I, I can't say, say anything about it because it would spoil it but there's yeah there's there's somebody who gets killed who doesn't get but, taken care of if you know what i mean and doesn't die from a headshot oh the, the uh, last man's thing, uh, and 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 I was ju- and the yeah, there's and there's a couple. I I don't think you see. Uh, well, yeah, I won't get into it, but I'd I'd like to see. There's just a series of gunshots, and then the gunshots stop. Right, and I'd like to see what that's happens that's after after that. There's 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 people alive that we may not see. It there's people in issue forty eight. That we may not see again, who may not be dead, and I'd like to see if there's any mention of of them or hmm. or anything like that. I don't know. I'm gonna be reading it again soon, so I'll I'll know more about how it all. It's been a while since I read that one, so I can't remember exactly how the whole issue transpires. But uh, yeah, I'm very curious. I, I'm I'm imagining it'll probably end right at the you know at the end of the governor's story <laughs> however that resolves <laughs> in the walking dead Gee. i think we have a pretty fairly decent idea where where the governor's headed 
as is yeah. everybody. <laughs> well, Lily sure knows where he's going. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I liked it slightly better than the first book. I don't think it's going to win a Pulitzer Prize or any literary. Uh, um, no, it's it's a good book. I think I got through it. Um, I was actually out, out of town when I read it, so I had a lot of free time. So I think I was able to read the book in about three or four days. You know, just mm-hmm. sitting on the can. <laughs> my, I, I mean, my biggest my biggest complaint, and it's not really a valid complaint, is it's not. I I would like to see someone how someone of Stephen King's caliber would have handled the actual right. You know. I guess I'm saying a better writer, not to say that Banan Singha is a bad writer. But it's, well, I think it's about, kind of a about the writer. I think the closest thing that Stephen King, if uh, I've read a lot of Stephen King, and I think the closest he's come to a zombie book is the book Cell. Um, have you read that? Yes, that's it. Well, he did a he did a short zombie, or it was a long form short story in a. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, I meant books. I'm sure. Yeah, he's probably done in, in a zombie anthology book that was mm-hmm. fantastic. It was people on a Scott's a big fan of that story too. It's it takes place on an island off the east coast, you know, in a little like vacation place. Mm. But yeah, well, that I, I was very excited when I started reading Cell because I was like. Because basically, it was around the time it was just after the big zombie resurgence. We had a remake of Dawn of the Dead, and you had 28 Days Later, and what was it, 28 hours, 28 Days Later, and then 28 months later, 28 weeks, 28 weeks, yeah, later. 28 weeks later, and yeah. uh, you know, you just sort of had a resurgence of Zo- and Land of the Dead, and the zombie renaissance. Yes, and 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 he was doing the thing of where it wasn't zombies, it sort of had something to do with like I got the feeling of the books that he wrote with Peter Straub with that other world that sort of laid on top of the United you know what I mean the talisman, the talisman books. books I think he's yeah put and, and it has a lot to do with the gunslingers world too that's what I got the impression was it was like this other dimension but from cell from cell, cell or from the, 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 like the voice eh, that comes really? through and yeah that it's like the being is like something from like the gunslingers world something I, I thought that art. was just like like a like a terrorist plot or technology gone wrong or like just a freak thing no, or like it was, a sunspot. It was from a de- it was definitely from a it was like a demonic more, or more of like an interdimensional thing that got somehow oh, I have to go back and reread that. And this is at the time period and I think he's still in doing this where he's tying a lot of his his um books in with the talisman universe and the gunslinger you know he has little crossovers in his books mm-hmm. where they'll poke into it yeah he started that early on with the uh eye of the dragon right right it was i believe one with uh well or wait a minute does that cross over with that crosses over the stand randall flag the walking dude the walking man right yeah, but Flag crosses over into the Dark Tower too, doesn't he? I haven't gotten that, Isn't haven't he the gotten that far in the. I've only read up to the. I have only. I've read the first two books and then started the third book, and then too much time goes by and I start them yeah, again. Yeah, I've got to do I've that got, cycle again sometime when I do read it. Same here. I got. I've. I've done the third book and I think I started the fourth and I haven't. It's, that was back I, when was I was digging the third book too, but it was one of those things where like I got busy with work or something and it just sat and then it got to a point where it's like 
it was too dense to like I was like I'm gonna have to start this over and then years go by but um yeah that was he was doing the thing of where it was a zombie story but it wasn't really a zombie story you know it was a different cause but the basic premise was people went homicidal and he also basically made it a running zombie story because <laughs> it, yes. it was a super you know people just went berserk. it was it was rage it was like the 28 yeah. days later it was it was more like the the uh dawn of the dead remake yes it was you know with, with the rage running zombies which scares the crap out of me right well yeah <laughs> Yeah, guys like us who can't run. I have like two exactly. Needs, you know, it's like if there's running, if there's walking zombies, okay, whatever. I'm I'm okay in most situations. If it's running zombies, I'm just gonna have to go down in the sewer and never come out. You know, and live on on snails or something. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, that that book that book was. I was at the beginning of it. I was just like, oh yes, because I. How can you not be happy with Stephen King doing an end of the world, everybody going, everybody who happened to be on it? And it's just a, such a delicious premise that everybody who had their fucking notes. It's all fallen up their head. Yeah, was instantly got got this. And it was only the people who don't really care. You know, I think it was everybody who was watching TV or it was almost any like, I'll, no, it was the cell phones. That's right. It was a cell phone. That's why it's called cell. cell. And, and, and anybody that would put their head up to the phone just got basically reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. And the main guy was uh, was actually, if I remember correctly, he was a comic book. Uh, he drew comic books, and he was on his way in Boston, which I thought was cool because I'd actually been to Boston when I was in the Navy, and I could picture the city in my right, head. Me oh, too. Okay. I know where that is. All right. That's cool. You know, and like the guy's walking down the street and he's, he's like lo- lo- looking at somebody. She's talking on the phone and then all of a sudden she just takes off running and plows her head right to it like a telephone pole. And he's like, what the heck? And everybody starts going crazy around him. A plane crashes, smashes it in, into a building. And then he's trying to get back out of Boston and back to his uh, um, uh, get to his son and his uh, like his uh, his his uh, wife. Yeah, it's classic, yeah, it was... classic zombie story, but then it turns into this weird, like, mass consciousness, weird. Yeah, which, yeah, the weird like drive-in movie mm-hmm. ending. Invasion from Mars, yeah. you know, everybody's, you know, or like in what is it? Uh, well, I think it takes uh, place at a movie drive-in theater too, or something, if I recall right, or whatever. There's something like that. There's some where they're all gathered. Yeah, and, but then he figures out some way to re program the programming or something yeah. by putting it back up the phone back up to their head or he ah, finds a way to screw up over, but it, tur- it turns from a zombie movie into a different sort of thing towards the end and that was very disappointing to me it was a, it was a typical Stephen King of where he would build it up into this like insanely awesome it kind of became like the thing and then it would be a letdown ending you know it's like the ending would be like let's everybody say, if we sing a happy song then the bad guy goes away and then it's over, you know, or then everybody dies, you know, or something like that. But yeah, I, I thought the dome was kind of like that too. I haven't read that, but that's what I've heard about it. I'm, I was, uh, cause 
it was another one where I was like, what a great premise. And it, it probably the first three quarters of it, you're going, yeah, this is awesome where they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And, you know, I, I love it. Uh, what a great story. All of a sudden you're under a dome, you know, it, it just mm-hmm. is, it, it sounds, it, it's interesting. And Stephen King, you're right. But yeah, he, he, he oftentimes cannot find himself. That's why I like Kirkman. And maybe that's a different thing from maybe that's why the books are a little less satisfying than the comics because the comics only have arcs as you know, they don't have an ending. So he never really has to end super satisfyingly. But most of the time his arcs are really satisfying. The books have to have a beginning, middle and end. So and for the most part, both of the books, that's the weakest part of them is the very end of them but not weak enough to make you go just like, oh, geez, you know. Uh, yeah, like, I'm not going to read the next yeah, one. No, I'm, junk. I, I'm actually more excited. Now that you've told me about who's going to be in it, I'm actually quite excited about the third book. Well, I mean, I wonder if, uh, if they do this trilogy uh, where the book, where the comics go later, um, I don't know if they could do another trilogy that leads oh, yeah. up to where they're at now. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you know. Well, I mean, if you kept wanting to write books, you can tangent onto a million. There's a million characters right. who've come and gone, who've been abandoned or who are dead. But you could tell this. You could tell the story of how Tyrese got the, the mm. Michonne. You could write a whole book about Michonne's adventures, you know, and I imagine that would be awesome. You know, I mean, hmm. bet you, you, there's, you, there's just a million directions you could go. There's, you know, there's a bunch of storylines that we hadn't even gotten to on Walking Dead Wednesday with characters both good and bad, and the current storyline has a bad guy in it that would, <laughs> you know, makes the governor look uh, very tame. Yes, yes, he's a bit smarter than the governor, and even more ruthless. And physically bigger, <laughs> but, way bigger. But that you know, I mean, his story could be very interesting, and in how he built his empire—it's a little too much, maybe like the the formula for the you know the the governor's story. But yeah, there's a million, there's a million characters. There's the priest character. There's Morgan. Um, oh, I forgot about the priest. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a, you could there's a million directions you can go. And as they keep writing more comics. And you could even go Merle and Daryl, you know. Well, yeah, but they don't have. Well, yeah, I guess they could do that oh, separate from the. Uh, yeah, do do one based on on the on the TV show. Yeah, sure. Well, no, it yeah. don't even have to be based on the TV. Uh, there's been rumors that Merle that Merle or Daryl are going to show up in the comic. Could show up in the comics. Mm. It's a possibility. I know Kirkman has never ruled it out and as a matter of fact has been a little bit coy about it in some of the letters columns so you know and and those are very popular characters so there's there's all sorts of stuff they could they could do and as long as the books sell i imagine they'll there'll be a um you know a reason to put them out and oh yeah yeah and the tv show's doing really good so we could we might expect more i hope I hope we don't get it. I hope they keep the quality up. I hope it isn't a diminishing returns type of thing. Um, I would be just as happy. I don't, I don't know why they just don't, maybe it's easier to write a book, but why they just wouldn't do separate lines of, of, uh, 
com you know, a mini series of Rise of the Governor, you know, in comic form. Mm -hmm. It would, uh, well, you know, maybe books are a different audience, but then again, I don't know. Well, then again, well, no, no, I'll I mean, do a comic version of Rise of the Governor, and they've sold a book and a comic, so yeah, I won't, you know. <laughs> you got to be careful though, because you don't want to get. I mean, I. You don't want to overdo reasons, it. And... One of the reasons I kind of, I mean, I'm still into comics, but I, yeah, I'm like a crack addict. I know not to go back. Right. <laughs> because it'll I'll go full bore. Yeah. Again, and, and one of the bad things is that, you know, uh, you got a good property. Hey, we're, we're putting it out. Well, now, now we got this miniseries, and now we got this spinoff. And the next thing you know, you're like the X-Men. Right, 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 right. Like the Avengers turn, turn into because they're just milking it and pumping it for everything they got. Now, hey, I, they're, they're, they may be great storylines, and, and I do uh, read some of them here and there, but, you know, Sometimes you just you don't want to oversaturate it and just uh, yeah. beat it to death. I, I don't I, I, I'm all for them putting out as much content as they can as long as they're put as long as they put it out in a way with the with the intent of making sure it's up to the quality level of what we've of what we've yeah. grown accustomed to. You know, I don't uh, you know, it can't get you know, hurrying, you know, that's that was the whole thing of the 90s that turned me off to comics is they were churning out a bunch of stuff and they were hurrying the fuck up to do it too. So the quality of it went down, but the quantity of it went way up. And as, as long as he like, you know, I wouldn't mind him doing, you know, other books and, and inviting, like going and finding so, someone like Bernie Wrightson or something say, hey, Bernie Wrightson, you want to do a Walking Dead five issue miniseries about this about Michonne or something, you know, and write it. And, you know, here's a storyline, but you can write the dialogue and draw it or so, something like that where they're paying, you know, they're making something really neat or quality. But just, you know, if it's looking like stuff starting to get slapped together. That would be really bad, especially for Kirkman, who's really, in my eyes, made his reputation on being consistently, reliably good. I mean, that is one of the most meaningful and rare things in entertainment or art or anything like that. You know, that puts him on a pantheon with just there's, you know, there's a few bands, there's a few filmmakers there's a few writers that when they do something, I'm going to go for it because I know they're always going to aim for a certain level of, you know, they're not going to be satisfied unless they're trying to blow people away or at least deliver high quality stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping that, you know, becoming insanely rich doesn't override that. that. That, you know, unfortunately it does that for a lot of, artists and, and face it man if you're an artist and you get to a point when you get to that point where all of a sudden you could be like ah you can make a million dollars and keep the quality up or you can make 50 million dollars and slap out a bunch of shit and you think to yourself well i've fought and and struggled to get here and i've also created you know, usually it's like 10 or, tw you know, decades of <clears throat> quality 
stuff that's gotten to me to this point, why don't I just cash out? You know, I, I, I can mm-hmm. see how that's very attractive to people. I'm hoping it doesn't happen with Kirkman. I don't think he's going to, I don't think if he oversaturates the market with Walking Dead, he's going to make 50 grand. I was exaggerating a bit there, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but at this rate, at this rate, I have nothing to complain about. I'm happy with the, I'm happy with the TV show. I'm happy with the the books. Are definitely on my the lower end of the of the three mediums in which to consume The Walking Dead. It's definitely comics and the TV show and then the books. But all three of them are have left a good taste in my mouth. So, well, I'll keep supplying you guys with the books. That's my kind of con- kind of little contribution to the cause plus I'm helping my my local comic store by buying the book from them and I read it and pass it on to you guys well okay so here's an idea that's a good setup for uh, taking us out of this show we had a little idea at the beginning of this oh yeah that's right um, Bill bought a nice spanking brand new hardcover edition first edition (laughs) he bought it at the bookstore too right I bought it at the at the comic book store. So it's not even a book club edition. No, no, is this is straight, straight up with yeah, the dust cover and everything. Took great care of it. I didn't get a wrinkle on the dust cover. It's brand spanking new. And uh, he read it, mailed it to me, and now I'm saying to you, I will mail this to you. Now here's how we're gonna do it though, because. You know, obviously saying who wants it, you know, all of a sudden there's going to be a a bunch of posts. When this episode comes out, um, unfortunately, you have to have Facebook and a computer, but you're listening to this from your computer. So you don't have to go be a member of Facebook, but you go go on to Facebook and go to the Two True Freaks Facebook page and there'll be a uh, a thread for this show, you know, announcing that the show is here and I'll write something on it and um, um, put up your name. And we'll get a list of names. We're going to get a whole list of names. Hopefully, there'll be a bunch of people who want to read this book. And whatever order those names are in, I'll, I'll write them down. And what, what we'll do is we'll get us a little bit of... Uh, it'll be like... Um, um, where'sgeorge.com or something without a website. But we'll uh, the first person on there, I, I will mail the book to them post-haste. And they can get it. And as soon as they're done reading it, I I will have a list of all the other people and um, it, it, their addresses if I can get their addresses from them. Or maybe you'll have to write them on Facebook and get their addresses. I'll try to get the addresses or something. Whatever. Whatever. We'll figure it out. But there'll be a list. And so then you send the book off to the next person on the list and so on and so on and so on and maybe it'll make its way around the world and back to Bill Robinson someday ah it's okay it, it, well, well yeah. I mean you'll find it in like a second oh yeah you pull this hey. copy off and like you'll be in like Peru or something and you'll be like this is a weird book to be in the store in Peru oh that book comes from far away and you'll you know you'll see all these familiar names on it and you know and everybody we'll leave something in there where everybody can sign off on it and say hi to the next person or so but yeah we should probably just write start writing in the opening of uh right inside the cover you know just if you just want to throw my name in there and then i'll and and then i'll put my name in and then we'll go from there 
yeah, like a like a library book checkout. And It'll just each person will write write when they got the book and and uh, now when you mail it, uh, a lot of people don't know. Being that this is a book, you can do a cheaper mail rate called media mail. Yeah. And, um, because af- actually, if you do put a letter in it, they could get flagged if they find the letter, if they open it, whatever, okay. and they'll charge a different rate. That's why I say we just write in a book. Don't put any paper in it, no letters, boom, boom, okay. media mail. And I think it was – I think I got it to you for less than five bucks, maybe four or three dollars. Yeah, it, 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 was not, I, it was not that expensive. I think media mail for something about this size and for like this size – Going from coat like as far as it can go in and continental United States, I think it caps out at like four dollars. So yeah, because we went from Florida to New York for like yeah, it was probably like three fifty or something. Yeah, three fifty. So, yeah. I've been sending a lot of books out through eBay. It's it's never gonna be more than four dollars, even if it's a big old heavy coffee table book. It sort of peaks out, and I think you mm-hmm. can get five or six bucks on media mail, but it has to be a brick you know so so yeah send it media mail takes a little longer it doesn't really take as long as they say it's gonna take and and it's no i think you got it uh, i sent it out at christmas on a saturday close to christmas like the week or so before christmas and you got it before the following saturday you get it on like thursday or friday right and and that that that, and putting it in saturday gave it a sunday to just sit you know Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's 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 it works pretty good. Or or use whatever you can use UPS if you if you feel like it. But that's that's what I would advise is using media mail. And uh, I'm thinking you little bastards, I'll check up on it too to make sure that you know if you're gonna sign up for it, make sure that you're gonna you're one of those people who will mail it off to the next person. <laughs> you know. Well, do we want to pry the first book out of co- uh, out of Scott's hands? <laughs> Do the same thing with the first book. Oh well, well, well we should ask him first. Yeah, you know. yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just send him an address. So send. Oh, you know that your copy. Send it to this address. Meanwhile, it's like, it's, a, it's lent it to someone at work. He's got to hunt him down. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Nah, yeah, I mean, I you know if, if if he's done that, that's fine. Just. Just write their name in it. Yeah, and judging by the uh, success of this, maybe we'll get a little two true freaks mail book club or well, mail book club sounds doesn't sound right. A little not, a, a little uh, book trading club going on. I think that would be fun. It's the two true freaks book of the month club. That just sounds about as nerdy as you can get. <laughs> I decided to read, and we'll we'll definitely get you reading some better stuff than the Oprah's book club. Oof, oof. Well, you know, I I heard she was coming out with the Oprah Kama Sutra. Oh, the Oprah Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Oprah Sutra. Uh, I'll put it on my bookshelf right next to Madonna's Sex. It'll be like oh, the yin and the yang, the fire and ice. <laughs> Well, maybe that's from all the moves she performed in Black Devil Doll uh, from Hell. Oh, wait, no, isn't that the? Uh, it's in the. It's. That's the, that's the uh, evil ventriloquist Negro doll. Yes. <laughs> A, another shining, flagship production of Demanza Corp Films. Oof. And and listen to our last media masochist if you want to know what we're talking about on that one and. 
for better or worse, you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Bill Robinson, for uh, for uh, carry helping carry the load on this one. And uh, um, nope. we will be seeing you soon. And come back next month when we will be doing issue 48 of The Walking Dead comic book where the shit hits the fan. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available... Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.